All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. Appreciate everybody downloading and supporting the show. Reminder for my brand new YouTube audience, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, yes, I have a YouTube page, so all my podcasts are videoed now, and they're on YouTube. You can see me in my glorious podcast studio and that is kind of how I started my conversation with our guest of the day. He's Dirk Chatlin, the Omaha World Herald. I always joke that I have a Dirk timer in my head every two, three months. I got to make sure I bring Dirk on the pod to talk about whatever. And in this case, it is some Husker football. And uh, the conversation starts with Dirk Chatlin, me just kind of explaining what's behind me in my podcast studio. But this was really, really good. Uh, you know, it always is. Dirk Chatlin's a deep thinker, really, really intelligent guy, a guy whose perspective I really value. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot to talk about with the current state of affairs for Nebraska football, two and two through four games. Where do we see this team? How do we frame the rest of the season? Certainly a lot to get to. But wanted to set up the beginning of our conversation because uh, it, it we jump into it right away with me describing what's in my podcast studio with various uh, memorabilia and different things, DVDs, different stuff like that. So let's get to it, man. It's a good chat. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Here is my podcast conversation with Dirk Chatlin of the Omaha World Herald. Enjoy. My thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. <laughs> the Wood, one of Nick Baugh's all-time favorite movies. Rich Baugh, The Fremont Flyer. Bill Simmons' Book of Basketball. Southeast basketball, Jay-Z, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Tiger Woods. It's all its all happening for me, you know? That's incredible. I mean, th that's really a big-timer move right there. I mean, you know, some people have to go in to record things. Uh, you just basically set it up in the man cave. You're Adam Schefter. You are Adam Schefter. I'm Adam Schefter. Are you going to be okay? You're a Phil guy. Is Tiger going to distract you too much throughout this conversation? You got uh, Phil behind you? You know, Nick, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Phil uh, uh -oh. gets all this crap for being a terrible Ryder Cup player. Tiger Woods was a worse Ryder Cup player. Uh, <laughs> the Ryder Cup starts this week, and everybody's like, oh, it's so great that Phil's not on the team this year. They might finally do better. And it's like, last time I saw Tiger, he was drugged up on the fairways <laughs> of fame. The, the, the post-round interview with Tiger after the Ryder Cup, when he is clearly on something – uh yes it's, it's the greatest untold mystery in sports it's like what what happened there he was he was on something <laughs> come on Dirk you know there are certain things where you just go eh you know like yeah whatever I mean that's kind of <laughs> what it's like this is this is coming from a Jordan guy but it is interesting how people just omit like 84 1984 to 1991 people are like yeah I mean, he was good, don't get me wrong, but, like, if the standard, like, the trump card everybody wants to play with Jordan over everybody is championships, it's championships. It's like, well, I mean, for seven years, he didn't even make the finals. And so it's just, whether it's Tiger, Jordan, there just are times where we, like, nah, that's not important, you know? Hey, I got a good story for you this morning. It was a very interesting morning. I want your input on on what you would do here. Uh, and you can you can delete this from the pod if you want, but okay. Uh, so 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 I have three kids. My yep. wife goes to, my wife goes to work just before seven a.m. I'm in charge of getting the kids ready and getting them to school. You know, get their lunches packed, all this stuff. Um, my my son's in middle school. He's easy. Okay, uh, I have two kids in elementary school. My son, my, my little son didn't sleep very well last night. So I'm, I tell my daughter, I'm like, hey, why don't you just take the bus this morning? Let Calvin sleep a little bit longer. Uh, it'll work better that way. I might, you know, I might even take him in a little bit after school starts. Uh, he just didn't sleep well last night. He, he could catch up a little bit. You take the bus. So I, I lock the front door, uh, lock all the doors, walk out the garage door walk my daughter up to, to like halfway to the bus stop. You can see the bus stop from our house. Uh, she gets on the bus. I come back home. I realize I don't have a key to the house. 
My six-year-old is asleep in the house and I don't have a key to get inside. <laughs> now, oh my God. Why, why didn't I have a key? Well, various reasons. Uh, we've been, you know, handing out keys to neighbors and everything. Uh, but right. I don't have a key. I can't get a key. Uh, school's oh. going to start in a half an hour. You know, wh- what do you do, Nick? So so I, I start, I start like knocking on his window, on his bedroom window. <laughs> So I'm like the dad who's, you know, standing, I'm locked out of his, out of my house. I'm knocking on his window, nothing, no response. Uh, and he was, he was awake initially. He, he knew that I was doing this, uh, because I I said, buddy, you just, you just sleep and I'll, I'll walk, you know, Natalie up to the bus stop. So he knew that I was out, out of the house, uh, when he supposedly went back to sleep and so I, I'm knocking on the door and then I'm like throwing tennis balls at the door uh, or at the window, and then I'm, I go around. I'm ringing the doorbell like 150 times, and at this point, I'm thinking to myself, "It is possible that he thinks this is like an intruder right. and trying to get into the house." I, I play his favorite song on my phone outside the outside the bedroom window, hoping that it might, you know, be a sign for him that it, that it's friendly out there. Uh, <laughs> eventually, I just said, "The heck with it! I'm gonna go mow the yard." So I went out to, I, you know, fired up the mower and I mowed the front yard. I'm like, I don't know what to do. My dog's going crazy, but my dog can't unlock the door. So uh, what do you do in this situation, Nick Bob? Well, I don't know. I mean, first of all, there are two movie references. He probably thought you were the wet bandits and he was Kevin McAllister. Yes. And then by you playing your fa- his favorite song, you were basically John Cusack and say anything. Well, I think I've now ruined that favorite song for him because he's going to associate it with an intruder. Right. right. I don't know what you do, though. I, I don't, I mean, you did all the thing, ring the doorbell, do like try to send some sort of signal that everything's all good. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, so I, was doing like, I was doing like the friendly knock on the window, like, yeah, you wouldn't think, you know, Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter's not doing that. He's not, Freddy Krueger's not doing that. That's not what's happening. So finally, I get done mowing. I'm on the back deck. Uh, I'm like, and I, I just, I come up to the back deck. I look inside, and he's just laying there on the living room floor. <laughs> no way. I said, I said, buddy, why didn't you let me in? He goes, oh, I thought it was just Natalie trying to be annoying. I was like, oh, my God. She just thought it was his sister the whole time. So, Oh, my God, Dirk. He was an hour late to school. It's a wonder anybody trusts me to, to feed myself, Nick, because I am terribly incompetent at the most basic things. Well, I mean, do you, I mean, the first thing I thought, you don't have the old, like, garage code thing? You don't got that? I mean, that's the ultimate, like, who needs a key when you got a code? Well, I could get into the garage. I mean, I, the, the garage was easy, but the door from the garage to the house was locked, and I didn't have a key to it, and so. Oh, dirty. Um, Jeez. I know. Well, okay, uh, now are you rattled? Have you recovered? I'm, I'm sort of the equivalent of Nebraska's special teams at this point. So. Yeah, that's pretty much. Your morning, your morning was akin to Connor Culp's season at this point. That's pretty much what it is, you know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, I, you know what's funny, Dirk? The, you know, the, the Frost is given that, like, well, it's the same movie, same old movie. You and I are about to have the same movie review. Yeah. Like, I, I went through, because I say, I went through a lot of our old, I have our old questions from, like, podcasts from, 2019 to, to, to over the off season or whatever. It's a lot of the same stuff, which is like kind of amazing, kind of sad. I mean, it's nuts that, that we're like you and I are about to repeat the same topics and conversations that we've had for three years, which is just a weird feeling for this current state of affairs for Nebraska football. And yet you're, you're exactly right. The themes don't change very much. But week to week, it is so unpredictable. I mean, there's almost – of the last 100 Nebraska football games, certainly the last 40, uh, how many of them really played out, you know, the way that maybe you expected on Friday afternoon? You know, it's just even amid, even amid the, the sort of consistency, uh, the, the frustration, Week to week, it is so unpredictable and turbulent and sometimes hopeful and sometimes depressing. Uh, it's just that that's the sort of the obsessive part of it is it's like it's never boring. Even 
though right. things never change, it's never boring. And that's, I guess to me, that's almost as, as extraordinary as anything. Yeah. So I, we'll start, we'll start with, I want to start with the Oklahoma game itself and get your, your quick thought on it because my, my line that I gave Bo on our little recap pod was it was kind of like the living embodiment of glass half full, glass half empty, right? Like it's all, that game is all kind of how you want to look at it. To me, there was undeniable progress. You're right there with the top five team on the road. In all reality, you have a competent kicking game. You probably win the football game. But at the same time, it's the same old movie, the same issues, special teams, penalties, organizational issues. It's all how you want to look at it. What was your prevailing takeaway from that Oklahoma game? Well, I was actually kind of glass half full. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, I, I know some I know a lot of people were not, but but I was I was glass half full because I thought Nebraska's defense uh, showed a lot of guts. You know, it was a low possession game. It was like, you know, Oklahoma had the ball about nine times, which is sort of ridiculous in today's college football world. Uh, so it's not like Nebraska's defense shut them down, but certainly slowed them down, certainly physically held up very well, I thought. Uh, you know, made Spencer Rattler really work for for basically every first down, every completion. Uh, so, Defensively, it confirmed what what my hunch already was, which is Nebraska's defense is is pretty legit. Um, and I think it's hard to have a bad football team when your defense is good. Uh, and so that gives me hope for the rest of the season that that Nebraska can can hang in and play a lot of close games because I think their defense is going to keep them in just about every game. Uh, offensively, I thought Adrian was really good. I mean, most of the game, I thought he was really good. And that's a huge step. You know, it's he is he's come a long way even since Illinois. And and maybe maybe in hindsight, Illinois was a little bit of a of an aberration. But uh, I thought he looked really good the last two weeks. Uh, and, and that gives me hope that, you know, if he can if he can play like that, I think, again, Nebraska can be in a lot of games. The, the problem is the schedule is so tough. And the margin for error is so small, they can't run the ball. Their red zone is – they don't do anything in the red zone, partially because they can't run the ball. And and their, their special teams and all the little hidden yardage stuff is against them almost every week. And so, you know, if you're playing a weak schedule uh, the rest of the way, if they were playing the typical Rutgers, Maryland, Purdue – uh, you know, the old Big 12 schedule, I th- I would have hope that Nebraska could kind of trend in the right direction. But there aren't going to be any breaks the rest of the way. And I, th- I feel like they've got to get so much better at the things that they're bad at or they're going to be five and seven. Right. Uh, so it was, it was kind of weird. Like I, I came out of that game Saturday feeling like, wow, this is actually a, a significantly better team than I thought it was three weeks ago. And that's positive, but I don't know if it's going to be good enough, Nick. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I don't know if it's going to be good enough. Well, that, and that's the thing that's so hard about it. Like, again, to queue up the conversation we've had a million times, the self-inflicted stuff, like it sounds so easy to just say, just a little bit better kicking game, clean up a few of the penalties, and boom, you're right there. But apparently, for this staff, it's not that easy. And I guess, like, at this point, is it a fair question to ask, is Frost and this staff, are they capable of fixing this stuff? Yeah, I mean, going into the year and the last several years, it's it's been a turnover issue, right? It's, yeah. it, it's turnovers. Um, now it's special teams. Um, it's it's offensive line penalties. It's uh, it's always something, right? And it's it's kind of always the the stuff that just doesn't jump out at you. Um, it's kind of the 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 you know the the basic the basic parts of a football program that that you just kind of assume are going to be there at least for good teams, and right. and they're not for Nebraska. Uh, I think some of the stuff is kind of fluky, right? I mean, you go back to Illinois, Nebraska was probably the better team that day. Uh, there were a couple fluky plays that I think if those two teams played five times, Nebraska would win three of them, uh, maybe four of them. But 
but it's always something. It's always, you know, a, a part of the game that you, um, you know, it's, it's, if you, ha- if you're a car owner, it's, it's forgetting to get new tires. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not always the obvious stuff until you're on the interstate and you, you know, you, you blow out a tire because it was, because it was raw. And that's kind of where I don't know if it's like a lack of attention to detail. Um, if it's a, if it's a coaching personnel thing where they just, they're not, you know, they're not uh, diligent enough with, with the things that, you know, sort of are the, the, the threads that bind together a football team. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, the, the, how, how can you tell your kicker to kick the ball better, right? Like, I don't know what that is. And that's – I'm not trying to let Nebraska's coaches off the hook because there's countless examples, you know, kicking the ball, the guys that they shouldn't – that who return it for, for a touchdown, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of silly stuff along the way. But, but there's always something. And, and I don't know – obviously, that's an indictment on the staff from a big-picture perspective. But when you really dig into it, you're like – geez, that just seems like kind of a fluky thing. Yeah, I know. I mean, because it's the Culp thing. I'm with you. I even wrote it down. Like, is it coaching with Connor Culp? Like, I, I don't I don't know how you could peg that on the coaches. Or even to a certain extent, like what's happened with Cam Taylor Britt. Like, even your peewee special teams Pop Warner coach isn't coaching his guys to field the ball at the one-yard line, you know? Like, I don't know how to peg that all on the coach, but at the at the end of the day, it's happening under this coaching staff time and time again, and it doesn't happen under other coaching staffs time and time again. So you don't know necessarily what to make it out to be. I think one of the things that that really drives me crazy is the organizational issues that have cropped up. To, like they needed that extra timeout, Dirk, the, to come out of a kickoff and have to burn a timeout because they're going to get a delay a game. It's a big moment, and it bit them. Even after they hit the bomb to Xavier Betts, they were disorganized. Something got a trips. Frost said the trips formation got signaled in wrong or whatever, and Martinez doesn't want to burn another timeout, so he just eats a play, and they end up having to – they don't score on that drive down 23-9. to And they had to call a punt – a timeout on a punt earlier in the game because they were going to get delay a game. It's stuff like that that, that – you want to give this this staff the benefit of the doubt on the things like Culp or Cam Taylor Britt with certain things, but then it's stuff like that that is just like, man, that is some elementary stuff right there. Well, and it goes back to margin for error, right? Because uh, to use a basketball metaphor, um, Steph Curry can bail you out of a lot of bad possessions by making a play in the last five seconds of the shot clock. Uh, Nebraska doesn't have those those type of players. You know, they've got a lot of good players. They don't have elite players who can separate you or bail you out of bad situations. Like, you know, if you get into a, if you get a personal foul and suddenly it's uh, second and 23 instead of second and eight, you know, in that situation, uh, they don't have a guy who can, who can break two tackles. You know, Adrian can do it, but they don't really have, they don't really have anybody else that can do it. That can, that can overcome that. You know, it's like, um, it reminds me of like the old orange bowls where when Nebraska would play Miami and Florida state in the late eighties and early nineties. And it just felt like Nebraska had to execute three plays really well to get a first down. And Miami would go incomplete, incomplete third and 10, you know, 12 yard out first down. And it was right. like, as a Nebraska fan, you're watching that. You're like, why was it so, you know, it's so much easier for those guys to get a first down. Right. And, and that's, the situation Nebraska is in right now, kind of across the board, I think they just don't have enough guys who can cover up those little mistakes, right? They don't have, so every time you make a mistake on special teams or an organizational error or uh, have a penalty, there's just not enough guys who can say, Hey, don't worry about it. We we got it. I'll cover that up. Um, And so I think the margin for error is really small. And, 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 you know, that kind of goes back to the old UCF days. It's like, how is, how is Frost undefeated at UCF when he's when his staff is struggling so much here? And I think to a degree, they just had they just had five guys on the field who were better than than the best guy on the other team. Um, and when you do that, you can cover up a lot of those little things. Nebraska can't do it right now, so they get exposed. Uh, it becomes really, really important. The the 
the smaller your margin for error is, the cleaner you have to be. And the right. is just not clean enough for the talent level on their roster. But with that said, where are you at with the offense today? Because after the Illinois game, I was like code red, right. really pessimistic. But it's weird after seeing this Oklahoma game and seeing the full complement of weapons healthy on the field with Sands, Oliver Martin, and also seeing how Martinez has looked now for three straight games. I'm certainly not saying that this is going to be Marcus Mariota's Oregon Ducks where they're lighting it up, but I'm all of a sudden feeling more optimistic about that team. And that's weird to say because they scored 16 points. Like, I, I know it doesn't necessarily compute, but where are you at with the offense now through that Oklahoma game? Well, I feel a lot better about Adrian Martinez than I did three weeks ago. Um, and because of that, I think there is reason for hope. Uh, I think Nebraska has a couple guys on the outside that when when, when you get them the ball, um, you know, that there's they're going to scare a defensive coordinator a little bit. But, Nick, they can't they can't run the ball. Um, they're, they're going into a league schedule that features a bunch of really good, rugged physical defenses. Um, if you can't run the ball, good luck. especially in the red zone, right? You don't have a chance. So like, I feel better about Nebraska's passing game. I feel better about Adrian, but I don't feel better about the O-line. I don't feel better about the running backs. I don't feel better about the red zone execution. Um, and I just, you know, they can go into this formula where where they shorten the game and try to play nine possessions instead of 14. And, you know, there are days where that's going to keep them in the game against Iowa or Wisconsin or, or, you know, Ohio State maybe even. But but if you can't if you can't maximize those drives and you do that generally by by running the ball, I think you're going to have a lot of empty calories. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of yards that don't lead to much. Um, So that, that's my concern is that they're moving into a a part of the schedule here where, where they're the things that they're weakest at become even more important than they have been already. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, if you had to rank these issues and concerns, special teams, offensive line, red zone and maybe what it sounds like what you're saying is you think the offensive line and the red zone are tied together but if how would you rank those issues now moving forward into the kind of the meat of the big 10 schedule well my hope would be that special teams is still just fluky enough where it might come around you know the law of averages might might benefit them at some point um the o-line is a is a significant issue i think um you know adrian took five sacks on saturday Three of them were on the final drive. I, I don't know if it was that so much. To me, it's just the it's the ability to get six, you know, on first down with with an inside zone play. Um, you know, the, you guys, I'll admit, you know, when you were in preseason discussions with Bo Rood and other guests, and and you talked about your concerns at running back, part of me is like kind of falls into the NFL trap where I just think, well, you know, running backs are running back. If, you know, if, if you have a decent one and a good note, a good enough O-line, uh, you'll be fine. And, but you really do need guys who can turn three into seven, who can turn seven into 14, who can turn 14 into, into 40. Um, the combination of a, of a, of a mediocre backfield, and a mediocre offensive line and the schedule that they're going to face, I think the O-line is is the biggest concern going forward. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent 
at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable, and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. What do you do with Culp, by the way? Do you just do you just ride with him? I don't know. You know, kicker's not one of those things that you have three other scholarship kickers behind him that are, are just as capable. Like, you almost – don't you kind of got to just hit your wagon to him? <laughs> You just make him run the entire practice. You just like, do like, like, laps around the stadium. Stadium steps. Just tire those, tire that leg out. You know, like I don't know what you do. No, I don't know what you do either. Um, I really don't. It's. I think there's still okay. First of all, I don't think he was your typical Big Ten, all Big Ten kicker last totally year. Totally agree. That, that is a misleading. Yes thing that was played up a little bit too much uh and i was saying that over the over the summer too it's like yeah you know he's made a lot of right made a lot of jordan congdon kicks in there right uh, but you know you don't typically see a guy who is that efficient even on shorter kicks uh struggle the way that he has you know with with extra points included so i don't know man i players don't know how to talk about kickers I don't think the media knows how to talk about kickers. Yeah, uh, it's just it's kind of like free throw shooting, right? It's like what do you what do you do? Do you make it a bigger deal? Do you make it a smaller deal? Do you jump on a guy? Do you ignore it? Like I don't know what to do with that. I don't either. I, I it's just I'm more of the of the mind of like you just stay you try to stay positive with the dude and you and kind of don't talk about it. You just because you, I I don't there's not. There's not like a schematical change you can make. I don't even think there's a necessarily a personnel change you can make. So I would think you just kind of hang in there with the guy. But, I mean, you could make a case that, I mean, of those those issues I gave you of ranking them, I mean, you could make a case they're all number one. I mean, but if like, if Culp all of a sudden kicks the ball well, I don't know, like that now all of a sudden you feel like they might get to a bowl game. They, they might get to six and six even in spite of their red zone issues and offensive line issues. Like, well, and so that's the scary thing is like some of this could come down to a, a problem that you just got to hope gets better at the kicker spot. Yeah. Well, in Nebraska, because of the way they play, I think defensively, especially uh, because of the schedule, I would anticipate that they're going to be in a lot of close games where where three points, you know, really matters. No so doubt. that's a big concern. I think, uh, you know, again, they're just not good enough. I mean, even on defense, as, as, as well as they play defensively, they still, you know, they're just not quite good enough at certain spots. I mean, they, you know, they, they did not get a sack. They did not get a turnover. Um, offensively, you know, there's there's some skill talent there, but there's not like – there's just not a lot of margin for error. And when you don't have a lot of margin for error, those special teams plays become even more important. Right. Um, this is not 2017 where, you know, Scott Frost can get into second and 25 and, and just run a, you know, an all go route uh, and Mackenzie Milton can, can find somebody. It's that's right. not, that's not this offense right now. So uh, I don't know. It's, I, it's weird because Nick, I really do think Nebraska is better. I think Nebraska is better, but I don't know if it's good enough. And I think that's going to be the hard part going through this Big Ten schedule and going through the season is it's like, do you judge Nebraska based off where they were at the end of last season? or do you, Which I, I thought they were bad at the end of last season, okay? Uh, or do you judge them based on what their record is and their relation to the rest of the Big Ten? Because – I don't. I don't know if their record is going to be much different um, than it has been the last three years, but I think they might be a better football team, and that's that's an odd juxtaposition. I agree. I know. That, I know. I, I, that's the thing I'm having a hard time in my mind because that that's why the Oklahoma game was of was almost the perfect case in point for what you just said. Like, no, undeniably they are improved. I mean, they should have beat. Oklahoma in all reality yet they didn't and it's all the same issues and 
I'm with you. I don't I don't quite know where to go with that because is it possible that you have a better football team that still has the same shortcomings and the same record? Because that's where we're trending. No, and I think the program is in a state right now where I think 15 years ago, you would not have tolerated what we just said. You know, it's like the only thing that matters is your record and your relationship to the rest of your competition and your league. Ten years ago, that's probably true. Five years ago, maybe even that's true. But the program is in such a state of, I don't know uh, what the word is, futility. I mean, it's it's just in this, it's in this funk where I don't know if you can afford to measure them by the same standards that you used to. It's you know what I mean. It's like I don't know. <laughs> Part of me wants to be the the hard ass guy who who says you know it's wins and losses, damn it, and that's yeah. the only thing that matters. And it's like okay, but they're coming off four consecutive losing seasons, and they're coming off you know twenty years since they've had a top ten season, and uh, you know, eight years, seven or eight years since they've been ranked. It's like, I don't know if you can afford to measure them by the same standard. I, I have a hard time, like, even even figuring out in my own head what should be good enough, yeah. uh, which I don't know. As a, as a native Nebraskan, that's an odd place to be in. It, it really is. And now, I think we've talked about this before, too, and this isn't necessarily a new thing, but it is really prevalent now. That do you think is it normal? Is it fair? Is it healthy that we seemingly have a state of the union after every single game? I mean, after every game right now, we seem to go to the town hall and we all vote yay or nay on Scott Frost, his tenure here, the program. Everything's a referendum on the entire staff. And we even get into big picture discussions, uh, you know, after the Buffalo game, it's like, well, where does Nebraska fit in the landscape of 2021? It's like, well, just just like in some ways, would it be healthy to just take take things for what they are? I don't know if that's even possible. Maybe you lose that benefit of the doubt when you have a run like this and you've had consecutive losing seasons. But it is weird. I'm sure for you, when you go to write your column, you you tend to go there. I know for me, when I tend to do a recap pod, I tend to want to go to the town hall and say, well, what do we all think? Are we all fire him, keep him, or is he going to succeed? What do we think? It's weird. You need Jimmy Chitwood to walk in and, you know, (laughs) offer some clarity to the situation. Yes. Uh, I'm the same way. I'm not very interested. (laughs) This sounds bad, but I I don't find myself terribly interested in the minutia at this point. I mean, to me, the, the story is, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Yeah. Right. That's the story to me. Yes. Uh, the special teams and all that's, you know, the, or whether you're, whether you're throwing the ball to Xavier Betts and Omar Manning, like that's fine. But, and I'm, I'm glad that people are covering that. But to me, the big picture is, is the, the most intriguing part of this. And that's why I find my, and when I say big picture, often I mean the last 20 years, like, yeah. it's like to me, that's what's most interesting uh, to dive into. But it is funny. It's it's almost like an inside joke at this point. You know, this Saturday against blank feels like the biggest game of the Frost era. It's it's the referendum on Frost. You know, we're going to know by Saturday night whether this is going to work or not. Uh, and it's just like it, it feels like the program is constantly in a state of disaster avoidance. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> it's, it's like you're constantly feeling like uh, – it's it's on thin ice and that if something goes poorly on Saturday, you know, people will will be out with pitchforks on Saturday night. And I just obviously that's not healthy. No. But man, when you have when you're in the midst of four consecutive losing seasons and you have a fan base that still cares about that, those two things don't really go together. So four consecutive losing seasons one of the biggest fan bases in college football, those two things don't mix, right? <laughs> so, like, something's got to give. And and I think uh, it's just – unfortunately, it's kind of where we are. It's just yeah. kind of the, the – there isn't a lot of I, – I laugh, Nick. I really laugh at the idea, you know, that even two years ago, certainly 
four years ago when people would say, oh, you got to give Frost, you know, five to eight years. You know, it's like we're not going to know anything until seven years down the road. It's like that's not how this works, man. That's not how this works. You know, we live in a day by day, Saturday to Saturday cycle. There's too much time between games. There's too much space to fill. There's too many conversations to be had. Uh, the idea that we're just going to let this thing sit and marinate for six years and, and then we're going to come back and judge it, that is not practical in today's world. Yeah, I mean, because what's what's challenging about that is, well, first of all, what you said, like, is it, it's amazing we're heading into game five and four of the five games have been a one-game season, right? Yeah. Illinois, biggest game of the world. Buffalo, biggest game of the world. Oklahoma, I don't want to call I mean, that honestly in some ways might have been ranked third in terms of like how big they were. And now Michigan state feels like the biggest game in the world, but, but you're right in the, the problem with Michigan state's the perfect opponent. And Mel Tucker is the living embodiment of all of the things that we want to hang our hat on of like, it takes time. They got to learn how to win. They got to this, they got to that. He literally <laughs> is saying, no, you don't No, no, you don't. I mean, 2019 Colorado, they're down 17 nothing at half to this Nebraska team. Well, they didn't need to learn how to win. They won. Like, year two, when they were as big of a COVID disaster as any team a year ago, they just went on the road to Miami and blasted them. They're now ranked in the top 25. Now, listen, could could Michigan State season come crashing down? Have we seen a lot of teams have a hot start into September and they end up being nothing at the end of the year? It's possible, but I think that's what makes it so hard where to your point of like, we've talked ourselves into and I'm guilty of it. I have been someone saying, you got to give it time. You got to give it time. Well, how, what is that? Give it time. Like what is, when is that timer going to go off and say, well, here we go now. Now it's ready. You would think three and a half years into this thing, it's ready. No, you need to see progress. I mean, you just do. You need, and that's why that's what I struggle with is like, I actually think they're better, even if their record may not prove it. And so what is the definition of progress, right? Like, is it, I don't think they're dramatically better, but I think they're a little bit better. And, and I think the fan base wants to see, they're just dying to see some evidence that this is inching forward, right? right. Like, Scott, we'll give you seven years. If you show that you're inching forward, if you're just sputtering your wheels, that's not fair to the fan base to expect them to just sit there and take it. So uh, it's funny. The Mel Tucker thing is hilarious because it's like if this thing fails, it might be Mel Tucker's fault for proving, you know, for proving in two different places that, that Nebraska should have been able to emulate that. Um, you know, and the other thing, Nick, and I, and I think I speak for a lot of fans in this sense. So I went into the Buffalo game. I was just freaking stressed. Like, Me too. Uh, I didn't want Saturday night. I, I really didn't have the appetite or whatever to write the, this thing is crumbling down and we've got nine more Saturdays to watch. The, like, I was sort of just, I think it was more subconscious than anything. I was just dreading the disaster scenario. Right. Uh, of Nebraska losing to Buffalo. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I just don't think people have – There is, don't get me wrong. There are some people, some of whom are former players, I think, who are sort of addicted to the soap opera. You know, they just want to be entertained. It's almost like WWF. Uh, but But others, like myself, I think I would put in this camp, I just don't have the appetite to to go through this thing again. You know, where you just like – Oh, uh, it didn't work. Got to start over. Uh, you know, what's the next transition? Let's see what the next coaching search is. It's just, I'm just like, no, please, no. I know. <laughs> it's not like it's, and it's not because I'm rooting for or against anybody. It's not because Scott Frost and I are buddies. It's nothing like that. I just don't have the appetite to to go through that again, to observe that again. It's like. I don't want to see the disaster unfold again. Um, and I hope that doesn't, you know, remove my objectivity as a reporter or as a columnist, but that doesn't mean that I'm rooting for him to win a big 10 championship or anything. I just, I just don't want to see the same cycle unfold. Uh, it's just so repetitive and redundant and emotionally taxing uh, that I'm willing to give Nebraska the benefit of the doubt. 
uh, and I think most fans are too, uh, but they've got to prove that they deserve it. Yeah. Do you think everything you said, because you wrote a very, very, very interesting column after the Illinois game and the, the, you know, the crux and kind of the, the topic of the column was pretty much, listen, if, if Frost can't get it done, now what? You know, like, what's going to happen? Is this, is Nebraska football, you know, you don't want to go totally doomsday, but is it a little bit doomed? You talk about not having that appetite to to kind of go down that path again. Do you think a lot of, because clearly that art, and I don't know what you're like, what the what the numbers said behind how much that article got shared and, and read and, and, and clicked on and all that stuff, but do you think, the reason that article resonated to the point is because deep down inside, there's a lot of people that feel like they're, they have $5. They have a $5 chip left. It's they're at the blackjack table. They're putting that five bucks out there and they know this is it. Like, and I don't necessarily, I don't even know when I say that, if I believe that, like when I say, if not frost, it's doomed. I don't even know if I necessarily believe that, but there is this feeling. I think that if the, the damage to the fan base is going to be pretty harsh if this thing doesn't work. So do you think some of that is the elephant in the room that buried in people's subconscious in how they're, because you get some people that pull away emotionally. You get some people like you just praying that this thing doesn't go off the rails. How do you see that? Nebraska is not going to shutter the program. Okay. Uh, they might find a Matt Campbell out of nowhere who, who fixes it, uh, even temporarily fixes it. But I think what's important about the frost, <coughs> the frost element of this is he was, was sort of the, he's kind of the, the embodiment of the old formula of the old way of the old tradition. And there was always a sense these last 20 years, basically since Frank Sowich got fired that uh, if only Nebraska would go back and do it like they did before, it would still work. There was always this kind of sense of security with people or, and, and in some ways it was, it kind of ate at them, but it was like, just, just do it like you did, did before, right? Like just find somebody who knows the old formula, who knows the Nebraska way, who welcomes Tom Osborne to practice, who, you know, embraces all the old players, who does all the old stuff. It's like, it, it sort of, was uh it, it connected us to our roots and you know i think the frustration with with callahan and polini and riley was that you know there nebraska was trying to go a different direction and if only they would just go back and frost returning was was kind of like um you know i'm not articulating this as well as i should but it it, it was like it was kind of like a redeeming thing for the old guard. And I would put, my, I'm not, I'm not like a former player, but, but it was just, if you grew up here and watched the old ways, it was kind of like, okay, finally, you know, Nebraska is going to, to embrace uh, what it did before and try it again. And it's almost like if that doesn't work, I don't want to say you have to get rid of tradition because that's an overstatement, but it's going to be such a shock to the system um, for, because there was always an excuse, put it this way, Nick, there was always an excuse, even the last 18 years or 15 years, oh, oh, two to 17, that if only Nebraska would, would just embrace what it did before, it would be okay. And, and if that's not true, it's really going to shock a lot of people and, yeah. jolt, and jolt a lot of people. Uh, it's going to, it's going to have to sort of send the program down a different path. Um, you know, I look at Arkansas, I look at Minnesota, I look at some of these programs that used to be good 40, 50 years ago that aren't anymore. And they don't resemble anything what they were when they were great. Like there's nothing, there's nothing binding them. Right. Um, and it almost feels like if frost fails, that's, that's going to be where this thing goes. Like in Nebraska is just going <laughs> to, they're going to have to, they're just going to kind of have to let go of a lot of things that people have held on to for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that it can't work. It's just going to feel different. It's just, right. gonna, it's just going to look different. Um, it's not going to, you're not going to look down on the sideline and see Tom Osborne and Jason Peter standing down there, you know, and that's, maybe that's okay. 
you know, maybe that's maybe that's nece- maybe that's necessary at some point. Uh, but it's just going to be different. The program would feel different in the future if Frost fails. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, as a quarterback in high school. But you know, I believe in establishing the run game, and even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger, some onion rings, double dipped, and homemade batter little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the Runza. It's just that simple. So get out to Runza today and establish the Runza game or check out the delicious salads. you got the chicken bacon ranch salad, sweet berry chicken salad, and my personal favorite, the Southwest chicken salad. you got to get out to Runza, establish the Runza game, or get a salad. Either way, you are going to leave satisfied Runza makes it all better. But the thing I've told people is like being on the radio for a decade and fielding email after email and call after call of everybody having the answer of what needs to happen. This was the answer. This was the collective consensus. This is what you need to find someone that that brings back the formula and the way of doing things to Lincoln. And when everybody thinks they have the answer and that answer maybe doesn't work, that's a pretty jarring thing, especially when that answer goes back to history, tradition, roots, all those things that you hold near and dear. But do you feel like, is there a part of you that, I don't even know. I don't even know how like Tennessee's doing this year. I haven't like followed it, but like, is there a part of you that looks at USC, Florida State, Tennessee, and see them kind of struggling a little bit and feel, I don't want to say some hope for Nebraska, but like all the reasons that we say Nebraska, because we love to do that thing of like, where does Nebraska fit in 2021? We, I think we, a lot of people point at, well, all the changes geographically recruiting base, all that stuff. This is what you are. Well, USC, Tennessee, Florida state should check all those boxes yet. They're struggling I don't know even exactly what I'm asking, but like, is there a part of me watches Clay Helton get fired and go, man, if USC is going through it, anybody can go through. It. Well, Nick, ask yourself this question. I want to make one, one point about what you just said, but <clears throat> ask yourself this question. How many traditional powerhouses are really happy? Two. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Bama, Ohio state. I mean, because I don't consider Clemson a traditional powerhouse. I mean, do you do you consider Georgia? I mean, Georgia, I guess, is three, two or three. No, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, there are there's probably 20 fan bases that are that are really happy uh, right now. I would say only about five of them are sort of your traditional powerhouses. Michigan's not happy. USC's not happy. Um, you know, Florida State, Miami. Um, you know, obviously Nebraska. Um, yeah, Notre Dame is probably kind of happy, but I don't know. you know, Washington's not happy. Nobody on the West Coast that used to be yeah. as good as happy. Uh, Texas is not happy. Right. Uh, LSU's not happy. Like Tennessee's not happy. You know, it's like it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of your fate as a traditional powerhouse that you either either are you're either going to be dominant or miserable. <laughs> yeah right. no, that's an interesting point yeah right like, there's not a whole lot of middle ground there right but i think it is interesting and we saw the contrast this week because i'm standing down there on the field uh before kickoff at oklahoma and i'm seeing their you know their uh their nfl features you know which former players are in the nfl and i'm seeing the way they honor tradition down there and you know what stood out to me was how many guys and how many highlights they showed of the past 20 years it's like they should they just showed a kyler murray run they just showed a baker mayfield touchdown pass they just showed a you know uh uh, a sam bradford you know highlight uh an adrian peterson highlight adrian Adrian peterson it's like it's like oh (laughs) that's what it's supposed to look like you're supposed to take the old traditions you know, Barry Switzer, wishbone football. Right. Uh, you know, it's you're supposed to you're supposed to have Billy Sims and Adrian Peterson. You're supposed to have the old and the new. 
right? It's like, and and what Oklahoma has done has been really impressive because they did it in a very different way with multiple coaching staffs. There's like no savior there, right? It's like Bud Wilkinson uh, became Barry Switzer, uh, who became, a, you know, after a, a five-year disaster, became uh, Bob Stoops, who became Lincoln Riley. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what Nebraska is supposed to look like, right? Yeah. This is how tradition produces more tradition and like uh, a good, a great program just sort of builds on itself and changes its identi- identity, like modernizes. Oklahoma is not running the wishbone, right? Yep. Uh, Kyler Murray did not play like Jack Mildred played in 1971. Uh, you know, and it's it was just really kind of it was eye opening to see what it's supposed to look like from basically a sibling program of Nebraska, and to see what it could look like, and I would argue what it could have looked like had Nebraska taken advantage of a couple opportunities over the years, um, had Bo Pelini gotten the the recruits that we thought he was going to get after Indomitian Sue and Levante right. David had Nebraska not blown the 2010 you know Big 12 championship game had they not laid an egg in 2012 against Wisconsin and Indianapolis you know had they made a, a, a maybe a better hiring decision after Polini got fired like there's all these little watershed moments these forks in the road and it just feels like Nebraska has taken the wrong one almost every time. Right. Uh, and and I don't think it's too late. I never think it's too late because again, they're not going to shutter the program. But I do I do worry about the psyche and the spirit and the uh the the apathy of the fan base if Frost doesn't work because he was the guy that everybody was waiting for. And, and, and he was kind of the reason that everybody stayed emotionally engaged all these years. And not, not just because it was him personally, but because of what he represented. And it's like, if that fails, I think a hell of a lot of people are just going to say, you know what? I got to find something else to do on Saturday afternoon. I can't keep doing this to myself. Yeah. Uh, And at that point, I think, I think the program changes quite a bit maybe not all for the bad right but it changes the identity the the fan base the makeup of of you know the fan base and and the way that people look at it. i think that all changes pretty dr- dramatically um and that's kind of where this if if this season fails i think that's kind of where it's headed i think i think the whole thing is headed to kind of a breaking point where everybody just says I got to step away. I got, I got to back off. I can't keep, I can't keep doing this to myself. Yeah. Um, And that's, I guess that's kind of what I wrestle with as I watch this is it just, it's kind of feels like it's inching toward the brink of something bigger than just a coaching tenure failed. You know, Uh, it feels like it's headed to the brink of an entire fan base that stops like Forrest Gump on the road to, you know, back and forth across America stops and turns around and says, I'm pretty tired. I think I'm going to go home now. Yes. I totally know what you mean because what's weird is Dirk, I'm already seeing it a little bit. And I don't know. It's because if people are trying to protect themselves in anticipation of what we're talking about, but I'm seeing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name names. Cause I don't want to throw certain people in the bunch. But I'm seeing people that I have been around my entire life start to pull back, start to play golf during the game, start to not even really be. Who do we play this weekend? Who 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 is it? Oh, I don't like. I'm already seeing it, and I was in the camp that that'll never happen. It'll never the apathy. A word will never never set in. It'll never it'll never happen. And I'm already seeing it to a certain extent, and. You know what's weird, and this might be way too deep of a thought for what is it, almost ten fifteen on a when a Tuesday morning. But I think as there, there sometimes seems to be this disconnect between young people that are really the ones that are that are going to be the future of the fan base of the program, and young people being the people that are going to commit to play for Nebraska football. 
versus people like us, older people, the older generation, where one of the things that happens as you get older, I'm 37 years old now, is time, decades go like that. 20 years goes like that. And when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, a year, two years seems like an eternity. There's this disconnect on the elapsing of time that I think creates this weird dynamic with everyone screaming, 1995, you know, that was, that's 25, 30 years ago. You know, what I mean? the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. I think there's a lot of people this weekend that have, this past weekend as they they look back on the rivalry it, it's almost this sombering moment of like god dang 2001 oklahoma that was 20 years ago the game is says 50 years ago but in some ways it feels like it was yesterday so i think there's a lot of people that go what are you guys holding on to this stuff was 20 30 40 50 years ago but anybody that gets older knows that 20 years might as well feel like two years in some ways. And I don't even know necessarily what I'm saying, but like there's this, it was all those emotions I felt throughout this week of consuming the Oklahoma rivalry and just disconnect of just time, the concept of time for people. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I, I think, uh, first of all, you're 30, when it comes to Nebraska football years, you're like 37 going on 47 and I'm like, 40 going on 60, you know, because yeah. I remember where I was, I was having this conversation on a, on DM with, with a, with a guy the other day, uh, you know, he remembers where he was it, you know, in the, in the Oklahoma 1986 game. I remember where I was in the 88 Oklahoma game and, you know, in, in basically every big game in the early nineties and, or even late eighties. I mean, I, I hate to, it's not just about the mid nineties. I mean, it's, it really goes way back before that. And and I can't remember a single game from like the 2016 season. It's like, <laughs> right. wait, Nebraska they played they played right. who that year? Right. Um, so I think, you know, just to put it in a slightly different light, Nick, how about this? The diff the 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 time span between <laughs> the time span between uh, now and and 2001, for instance is like if somebody would have come to you and I in high school and talked about the 1970-71 teams. It's like, right. you know, it's like, uh, what? You know, that felt like something from the from the Middle Ages, right? It's like, uh, you know, stories of Johnny Rogers and, and Rich Glover to us as kids. That felt like a, you know, a different century. And, and that's kind of what it is for kids today talking about the, you know, the 90s. So, um, I think, I think you're right. It's, it's something that, and again, I think what's unfortunate about it. And I wrote about this a little bit last week. It didn't have to be this way. If Nebraska just would have grabbed a couple flags, a couple stakes in the ground along the way, I don't think it would be quite like this, right? There just hasn't been anything to, to latch onto and say, that kept the tradition going, right? right? That's something that we were proud of. Uh, aside from Adama Kinsu's individual accomplishment in 2009, there just hasn't been anything that really captivated people or gave people that sense of pride or swagger or or sense that the, the scrapbook didn't end with Eric Crouch. Like it kept going. There was another scrapbook after that. no. The scrapbook was basically Eric Crouch, you know, catches the ball for Mike Stunts, and then there's a little epilogue on Andama Sue in 2009, and here we are 12 years later, right? It's like the frustrating part to me is it just – it didn't have to be this way. Um, I'm not saying you have to find your next Bob Stoops. No, right. Uh, but, but it didn't have to unfold the way that it has, and – this is why the frost this season, and and I empathize with everybody involved because of this. Adrian, Scott Frost, uh, Trev Alberts. I mean, I I empathize with these people because they're not just carrying the weight of the typical football season. It really feels like they're kind of carrying the weight of twenty five years, right, or twenty years, and. 
that's a lot to put on people. That's a lot of stress to, to worry about when you're, when you're trying to get ready for, you know, Oklahoma or Michigan state. And it's inevitably, it just kind of feels like where things are. It's every single drive, every single game feels like it's, it's carrying the baggage it's like a you know a wedding car that has you know a, a, a bunch of cans dragging behind it. You know, it's yeah. like, um, and until Nebraska breaks through, it just or or until it ends in disaster, it just kind of feels like this is where we are. Yeah, and that's what makes it hard. You're right. I mean, in some ways, Frost Frost is just trying to prepare to beat Buffalo. <clears throat> He's having to carry the weight of the history and tradition of the, of Nebraska football on his back. He's got to, you know, he's carrying the, he's trying to get ready for Buffalo and don't get me wrong. Scott Frost has made a lot of mistakes. I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Scott Frost, but when you're trying to prepare for Buffalo, I'm not sure you should be answering questions about the end of the sellout streak. Right? Like, right. Right. But that's the state of affairs. That's what I'm saying where it's like, at all times, whether it's us media fans, how I talked about how we go to the town hall and have a state of the union after every single game, even I think this coaching staff, Frost and now Trev, because Trev understands it, that they're trying to just Trev's trying to find his way around the new offices, and yet he knows he has to carry every second Charlie Ward three times in the '93 Orange Bowl, and and Byron Bennett, why like he he's having to carry all that stuff. And, man, it's hard to simultaneously live in the moment, live in the present, focus on trying to get through that day, and also carry everything that preceded you. And so it's just – it's it's a weird state of affairs, man. It just really, really is. No, they got to find a way. I'm not sure they're good enough. I don't think they're good enough to really get over the hump this year, to break through. Um but they've got to find a way by Black Friday to persuade people that this is eventually going to work. Okay. Um, that's going to be hard because they play Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa in November, right? Like that's that's sort of the, the elephant in the room here is it's like it's not just that their schedule is tough. It's that arguably their three toughest games are the last three games. And so you might feel pretty good about this team on Halloween and, and and have it all fall apart. I mean, it's like every projection about, oh, what do you think is going to happen this season? A lot of it is just, well, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk in November, right? Let's talk yeah. in November. Um, they've got to find a way. I don't think they're going to go eight and four. I don't think they're going to, you know, compete for the Big Ten West, obviously. But but I think they have to find a way, even if they're six and six, even if they're five and seven, they have to find a way to persuade the fan base that this is going to work. It's going to work eventually. Um, it's going in the right direction. We've figured some things out. We have a we have an I- identity on offense. Uh, we have a a defense that's sustainable. We have you know it's like all the little things by November. Whether you go zero and three in November or two and one in November. You have to, they have to persuade people that it's going to work, and I think that's even more important than the record. Um, and okay. that's why I th- that's why I think Oklahoma was, in totality, I think Oklahoma was a good was a good game. I think it was a glass half full game because you could watch that and see that okay, I can I can maybe picture it a little bit. Right. Um, so. While we focus on wins and losses, because that's the essence of sports, uh, I'm not sure that that's that that's the bottom line with Nebraska football this year. Yep, that was you. That's a perfect way to wrap it up. Because I was going to ask you, how do you frame the rest of the season? You read my mind. It's almost like we've had this conversation before. <laughs> well, we'll have it again in two months. I can guarantee you that. Gosh, I hope. Hey, when my Dirk tire goes off every two months, I like to have you on. Man, I hope we're. I'm asking you some different questions, man. I really hope the state of uh, the line of questioning is different. I really do. But that's a good way to frame it. You know, got to get to Black Friday, find a way to give the, give the fan base something to believe in. It's what makes the Oklahoma game probably encouraging, but it's what makes also the Illinois game just like. Uh, think if they'd have won that game. Think if they'd have won the Illinois game 
Like, I think uh, the tone of our conversation is maybe slightly different, and they probably are the same team. But that's why it's hard where it's like, I feel a hypocr- I feel hypocritical at times where I'm like, well, it's all about, you want to make it gray, but it, there is an element of black and white. The sure. Oklahoma was gray. The Illinois game was black and white. And that's a great, that's a great point. Those two things are not the same thing. Right. Uh, those two, those two results were not the same. They don't fit in the same category. No. Uh, so, so I, I, I agree. I came out of Illinois very negative. Yes. Very negative. Probably more negative than I even anticipated that I would be if they lost. Agree. Um, but I came out of Oklahoma feeling like, okay, maybe. Uh, okay. You know, Nick. I hope next time we have this conversation, I'm just not locked out of the house. I hope I'm sitting on my porch, uh, trying to do a Zoom connection there. There we go. Because hey, next time we have this conversation, it'll be a little colder outside too. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, more ways than one. You need to make sure you get your get your stuff tightened up over there, Dirk. Dirk Chatlin, love you, pal. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you so much. Ahura Media Production.